Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Rona, big news today in the world of sports gambling. Sports Tradar and Sports Grid announced an exclusive partnership to launch the first free. 24-hour sports betting network. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we're seeing an increase in the sports betting world. It's becoming more popular and more legal in states, and any growth for it is uh, definitely a good thing. Yeah, I think it was it going to be a, a radio station. What, what else do you know? Do you know what they're doing? Uh, with that I don't exactly? know much about it. I think that they're doing a radio station for sure about it, and I don't. I can't believe that they'll be the only one. I think it's a great thing that they're they're starting that. And it, look, it's ambitious, but I think it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to test it out. Always, you know, throw yourself in the water and see if it can work. Well, you know, I, I figure this, you know, it's so amazing in this industry. When we first started in this industry, you couldn't say the gambling word. And now we're saying it all the time. Now we're embracing it. Do you think all the states in, in America will have gambling? It might take several years. Obviously, there's some introductory bills across many different states, but I think uh, it'll be the majority of them at some point, but it might take a few years. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember when DraftKings and FanDuel inundated us with their commercials and it raised the, the ire of all the congressmen and people out there? Remember all that? Do you think that could happen with gambling, that there'll be so much gambling out there, it'll be too much and people want to crack down on it again? Again, no, no, I don't think so, because I think people know what sports gambling is. A lot of people did not know what DFS was. So they just see these commercials all oh, win a million dollars. Like, what is this? So everyone is familiar with sports gambling. Well, the majority of people are. Uh, it just hasn't been legal, even though people obviously can go to Vegas or Atlantic City and do it. But everyone is aware of it. And even people, you know, could do it with your local bookie. So uh, I don't think so. I just think people, a lot of people didn't know what DFS was and it was new. Whereas sports gambling, people know what it is. What do you think will happen to the DFS landscape? Do you think DFS will be neutralized a little bit because of more sports gambling? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Maybe it takes a little bit of a hit, but, you know, there's still money to be made. So, you know, if you still have these contests where, million-dollar prizes are given out or $500,000 prizes will be out, people are going to play. Maybe the casual player who has struggles says, you know what, I'm better off taking this money and, you know, sports betting because they got a better shot of winning and you're not playing against a large pool. So that might be a contingent of people who feel that way. But as long as the money and the big prizes are there, people are still going to play. You know what I think is going to be very interesting, and maybe, maybe it's already happening. It probably is. You know, DFS has changed. Uh, from when, we, when I first started doing it, right? Because I always say that I was literally the first show on, on uh, Sirius XM that did the uh, DFS, had DFS. 
now you've got guys on action, right? When we saw uh, Chipotle Attic and Papa Gates with three computers and algorithms, right? Do you think that sports gambling is going to become something, you know how poker became by the, the computer guys and DFS is now by the computer math geeks? Do you think sports gambling will turn that way? Because I think it will. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, a lot of it is just trends and stats. And obviously, some people have their complex ways. And we saw a little bit about that on the show on Showtime. So um, I don't know if we'll get that drastic, though. Because again, you're still only playing against the house, you know, whereas in DFS, you're playing against a large field of a lot of people. Uh, You basically have a a 50% shot to win in gambling. I guess that's true. It does change the odds a little bit, right? You're playing against the bookie and you're playing against the lines. But I would think that these guys, I don't know, much like when we saw in the TV show, they're going to wait for the line, right? They think the, the computer algorithm says the line should be five and a half. If the line's at six, when it goes down to five and a half, that's when they attack. I, I don't know. I just think that they're going to figure out a way to create nuances that will help them. Yeah, of course. They'll definitely have algorithms, and I'm sure they already do anyway. What about the Adam algorithm? Are you still working on that one? Yeah, it's in uh, the works. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's take a look at baseball. I want to talk about what happened yesterday. Tim Anderson flipped his bat, threw it to the sideline, ran for the home run, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Did you think what he did was so heinous? No, I think people overreact to this stuff all the time. I mean, we see pitchers celebrate, pump their fists. No one says anything, and, you know, I think there was a good quote from Tim Anderson where he basically said, you know, he both sides can do it. And, you know, it's not I don't think he was trying to show up the other team. You know, with Derek Dietrich, I think he was. He stood there and stared at the ball for 15 seconds. So I think if you're if you do that or if you take five minutes to run around the bases, yeah, you're trying to show up the pitcher. But I just think he was exuberant, showing emotion. And I didn't think he was trying to show up the other team. And what now you hit him? Next time up and he gets ejected, I mean, it's it's crap. So, you know, I think you need to allow players to show more emotion. We see it in a lot of other sports. We even see it in golf with Tiger Woods. So why can't we see it here in baseball? But baseball's always been that way. If you show up a pitcher, you know you're going to get hit the next time. Then you hit my guy, we're going to hit your guy, and then all of a sudden we're getting to a bench-clearing brawl. It's been like that forever, though. Yeah, and, and it should change. I mean, it, it's that unwritten rule, and... I think it needs to to go away. I mean, somebody's going to get really hurt, and then what? So Tim Anderson gets drilled by a pitch and breaks his wrist because he hit a home run where the pitcher couldn't get him out. I mean, it's just not right, and uh, I think it has to change. And we see pitchers celebrate all the time. And I mean, Chris Archer, Marcus Stroman, they do all these things going off the mound. You know, the hitters should be allowed to as well. And as long as, again, it's not showing up the pitcher, and I don't think he was. I think he was just excited, you know, through the bat and – I didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, I know. I agree with you 100%. I I watched it, and look, I I was looking for ways to be critical, not of Anderson, but looking at it with that kind of lens and saying, you know, was it really that bad? Look, you hit that kind of home run. You're allowed to show some, you know, some excitement. I think that's part of it. I'd Look, if you want to throw at a guy, throw at his leg, throw at his quad. Don't be throwing at his wrist, dude. There's nothing worse than a guy like breaking a, a bone and being out for six months just because he was celebrating a home run. Yeah, I mean, you got to – first of all, he shouldn't, he shouldn't even have been hit. You know, I just think the pitcher should take responsibility. Hey, you gave up the home run. Don't be mad at Anderson. Be mad at yourself. Figure out a way to make a better pitch. Figure out what the mistake was. And, 
you know, it just goes on too much in baseball, and it's something that has to change. And I think the way to change it is you got to suspend these pitchers for more. I mean, they get suspended five games all the time. Okay, one start, big deal. Not even a big uh, pay, uh, loss of salary either. And uh, that's one way to change it is really increase the suspension for the pitcher. Yeah, no, I would. Agree. I'd like to see that too. All right, I don't know. Did you see uh, the Todd Zola's email, the t- this week's Tout uh, Wars query? I did not see it yet. No. All right, he said with mounting evidence, the ball is juiced, uh, lower drag and juice spikes in AAA runs using Major League Baseballs this season. What measures should be taken by fantasy managers to best take advantage? I mean, I don't know. I thought about this. I'm like, invest more in offense, get rid of pitching. I mean, what would you say to that? No, I'm gonna think about it and I'll put my answer uh, in the in the in the chat. Look at you. All right. Well, that that was my answer. I, well, in today's world, when offense seems to be everywhere, do you think pitchers are good pitchers more valuable or less valuable? Uh, it's hard to answer that now because uh, a lot of the good pitchers that have been taken have been garbage. Uh, Chris Sale, Aranola, Noah Syndergaard. So if you support that argument, it, it looks bad so far. But again, we're only dealing with two weeks, so. Uh, it, it really depends on the pitches you have right now. And I don't think we have enough of a sample size. And I think a lot of those pitchers that have struggled will get going. Uh, some of them, obviously, there's some concern for. But uh, it's just the concern is that it's the weather hasn't even heated up yet. And we're seeing an astronomical rate of home runs. Do you remember when we were kids and uh, a guy who threw 300 yards in the NFL, that was really a, a good game? Now, if you're not 300, everybody does that, right? you got to throw for 400. My point being, do you think that having an ERA of four in this, type of, in this type of environment will be considered good by the end of the year? We're headed that way at this point. Uh, I think right now you're even happy to get a starter goal five innings and give up four runs because you're like, hey, he didn't kill my ERA. I mean, that's kind of what it's looked like right now when you have a guy like Carrasco who got – two outs and gave up six runs a couple starts ago. Mats couldn't get an out and gave up six or runs. I think you're just hoping to avert that disaster right now. As long as you don't get one of those lines, I think you're pretty content with what your pitcher can do. I think, you know, especially in DFS, Adam, I've been, if you prey on the bad teams, if you pay, play pitchers like the Cub pitchers against the Marlins, uh, the, the Rays pitchers against the Orioles, you know, anybody against the Blue Jays, I mean, bad pitchers are winning games, but good pitchers can against good teams. I find it very strange. Every every night we look at these DFS slates, there's almost never a pitcher I like. No, and I think that's where you're probably going to really start spending down on pitching, and maybe it's already started for a lot of people where you're just trying to find that cheap guy that maybe gets some strikeouts and gives you a decent line because a lot of the pitchers that you paid up for this year – it really hasn't worked. I mean, you could point out to some situations, but for the most part, it has not worked. I tell you this, in DFS, and I think I may have mentioned this earlier this week, my, my new you know, litmus is, can the guy throw six innings? If he can throw six innings, I'm interested. Because half of these guys right now can't even throw six innings. Yeah, I mean, we knew that was coming this year. We were kind of headed towards that way. Teams going to the bullpen earlier and earlier, and starters piling up the pitch counts. And uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, if you know you can get six innings, uh, you'll be happy. All right, so let's take a look at some of the games that are happening uh, today. The um, 
Thursday game. So it's Arizona is leading Atlanta 1-0. Speaking of low-scoring games, Luke Weaver, Adam, five innings, four hits, nine strikeouts. Soraka, uh, five innings, four hits, one earned run. Uh, Soraka, we know, is a good pitcher, right? But are we a little surprised at Luke Weaver having successes? Like his second good game. Uh, not too surprised uh, to draft him late in a league or two, hoping that the switch to Arizona could get him going. Obviously, he was a disaster last year, and you know with the park in Arizona has shifted with the humidor there. We saw the offense drop last year, so uh, you know Weaver has some ability, and sometimes it takes a change of scenery going to a new team to see if that team can figure it out. It could be a minor thing, like just you know moving. Uh, different position of your arms maybe they fig- figure something out with the mechanics but uh you know he's off to a good start this year we're seeing the strikeouts that was something we did not see in st louis he's got 24 strikeouts in 20 and two-thirds innings only allowed five walks so yeah i do think uh you know weaver could be one of those pitchers that has a good year and uh took a shot on him late in drafts because he was extremely cheap he was a guy that was completely overvalued last year people were taking the five six seventh round and uh obviously it failed and when that happens uh, the, the guy goes really to the back end of the draft, and that's what you saw this year. And that's where you take a shot. You go, okay, let me see if he can rediscover his form. And if it doesn't work out, he's an easy cut. If it does, then uh, you got some value. And so far, he's been good. You know, you said something interesting. I was one of those people in the FSTA draft last year who took Luke Weaver. I think it was like round six or seven. And obviously, I was wrong. You know, and of course, I hear I am admitting I was very wrong. But I'll say this. As much as I try to be right in everything I do in fantasy— I may be wrong, but I generally, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong by a couple of years. I'm not wrong on the player. I was wrong with Royce Freeman. That's for sure. What a disaster that guy was. But what my point is, I was wrong on Weaver, but he ended up being a good pitcher. Like this year, he's looking like a much different pitcher. I find that, you know, it's one thing to be wrong about a guy's ability, but something's timing we can't always know, Adam. And we just know a guy may have ability, but we just don't know when he breaks out. Yeah, I mean, the key is, though, not to overpay for it. And uh, I think that's what a lot of people did with Weaver last year is they just looked at uh, a small glimpse of him in 2017. And, you know, they saw 60 good innings and said, all right, here we go. And uh, it didn't work out. All right, so the Nationals are playing the Giants, and I think you've got to be a little happy here. Victor Robles, who you've been wanting to bat higher in the order, is batting leadoff today. He's 0 for 2 with two strikeouts, but I'm with you. I think Robles would be a great leadoff hitter. Uh, Adam Eaton not playing today. Patrick Corbin, four innings, no hits, six strikeouts, going up against Drew Pomerantz, who's let up three runs. Do you, do you think that Robles is just here because Eaton's out, or do you think this is something we might see more often? Nah, I think it's because Eaton is off today. Uh, I would like to see him hit higher in the order, but uh, it seems like they've been reluctant to do it. It's not like he's lighting it up yet. He's only got a 328 OBP. It's one thing if it was higher and, you know, he was tearing it up. I mean, he's had a good start, but not great. I would like to see him hit leadoff, and I think Dozier should be the guy that gets pushed down. There's no reason that Brian Dozier should be hitting second in this lineup right now. He's done nothing, and he might turn it around. But he's done absolutely nothing. He's making very soft contact. So they shouldn't have him lead off. Uh, I think Robles should be up there with Eaton. Uh, whether you want to go Eaton, Robles, Robles, Eaton, then Rendon third, Soto fourth. I think that's the way they should do it uh, until Dozier starts hitting. We'll put, put less pressure on him, move him down the order until he starts hitting. Patrick Corbin's been somebody who a lot of experts were... Some people looked at him as a late third-round pick in a 15-team league, and some people thought of him like a seventh-round pick. What are your thoughts on Corbin? 
Uh, he's really good. I mean, he's got the excellent slider, and uh, I thought he'd be one of the better pitchers. Uh, you know, the state of pitching obviously was down this year, but uh, I thought Corbin was going to be really good, and he's showing it this year once again. Uh, he's got that nasty slider, and it's it's working. He is pitching in a tough division. That's the one thing that you're a little bit concerned about, but uh, I think he's legit. Uh, I mean, people forget he's had he's had two good years in a row, and he had that great year uh, where he uh, was in Cy Young contention in 2013 and then had the injury. So this is a guy that's done it before, and he just took it to another level last year with that slider and in an era where the strikeouts are piling up, uh, he, he's going to have a good year. Yeah, I like him too. I think I took him in, was it the FSTA draft? He, I took him like maybe the fifth round as my third starter. I felt pretty good about that. I think this guy is just a good guy and a good locker room guy, and he's on a good team. So we'll talk more about fantasy baseball when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after these messages. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to madesailors.com. That's madesailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Rain it! Make it rain. The Jets are out because they're a trendy sleeper pick right now. We know that. But their schedule, I mean, they're going on the road to New England after a short week of prep following a Monday nighter against the yeah. Browns. All right. But to and me, at New England's a lot An early anyway. week by, and no, and I'm sorry, but no team should have to be subjected to 12 straight weeks of football during the heart of the season. That is brutal. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Song runners? Yes. Did you like it? Nah. It was a decent song. But I, uh, the guy didn't have a long lifetime. All right, by the way, the first round of the 2019 NFL draft is Thursday, April 25th. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. 
Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. I don't know if you saw today, Adam. Did you see they're all, the Giants, uh, Ingram and Saquon, were talking about Eli can still do it. He's still capable. Did you read any of that? No, I saw Saquon say that in an interview, and he was defending Eli Manning. But I mean, what do you expect those guys to say? You really think they're going to, if they didn't think Eli could play, they come out and say it? Like, like That's what I, I don't understand. What do people want them to say? That's their teammate. He, they're not going to throw him under the bus, even if they feel that way. How they, why would they come out and say that publicly in April? Well, Gettleman says, I don't know if you saw this, we went into last year thinking that Eli had plenty left, and he proved it. Really? Did you watch the same game I did? This guy had no time to throw. What did he prove? That he could stay alive? That's what I, that's, I think he proved that, Adam. That's about it. Again, but what, do you, what is he supposed to say? Do you want him to come out there and say, you know what? This guy's got nothing left, but we have no choice. We're going to roll with him. I mean, no, what do you no, want him I, to I, say? I, I think you, maybe I'm wrong, okay? Maybe you say something like, Eli has done an amazing job. He's, he's our quarterback. And we stand behind him. If the right player is there in the draft, we might consider you know, looking at that player uh, for the future, for the Giants' future. But right now, we are fully 100% committed to Eli Manning. Period. Okay. I mean, they might do that anyway. I mean, we know that they need a quarterback for the future. So I don't right. so know. Right. So I said nothing wrong there. I said, basically, we like, thank you, Eli. He, we're committed to you, but we're looking for somebody else, too. Well, I think every team is doing that anyway, outside of the, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson-led teams. I guess so. I mean, I, that's true. I mean, everybody's always looking for an upgrading quarterback. Josh Rosen, is this guy going to get traded before the draft, after the draft? What's your opinion on him? You would think it would help, obviously, to do it before, because uh, if they take Murray, then obviously a lot of their leverage goes down. So... I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it does happen uh, the night of the draft. I totally agree with you. The second you draft Murray, if Rosen's not off your team, the, you, it goes from a third-round pick to a fifth-round pick or a second-round pick to a fifth-round pick because everybody knows you have to get rid of him. And don't tell me, oh, we're going to keep him and that we're going to see who's going to win the competition. You just wouldn't do that. So I don't know. Would you take a second for Rosen or is that admitting defeat? No, I don't think so. I mean, if he's not your future and you don't plan on keeping there and you're going to go with Murray, then you got to take what you can get. You know, you you clearly made a decision. So I don't know if you can hold off or, you know, more than that. If that's the best you can get, I think you just have to, you know, cut ties and move on. Bite the bullet and move on. So I told you where I think Rosen could end up. I think Rosen can, can end up, if it's a second-round pick, you watch. He could be a New England Patriot. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use them. Yeah, for sure. By the way, did you see that thing about releasing the Robert Kraft sex tapes? Like, is that is there a sex tape you want to see less than that sex tape, dude? Yeah, I don't think that's highly desirable. But yeah, it looks then, like it is going to come out. So uh, uh, there might be a few people that will be happy. They put a court order on it to, st to stop it from coming out. What was the purpose of that? I don't know. I have no idea why it it's going to be released. By the way, did I did I did I tell you what the government did to get those tapes into that place in the first place? They said that there was a bomb scare and they needed to put those tapes in to to for safety reasons. That was a lie. Yeah, no, there was definitely some shady stuff going on with that, which is why they've kind of fought against it. 
Yeah, crazy stuff. All right, one more football note for you. I was watching uh, ESPN before. Looks like the Chiefs play the Patriots in week 14. Then the Chiefs play the, the Bears in week 16. So I would say that's a great matchup in week 14. you got to think a lot of points are scored in that one. But does that scare you in week 16 against the Bears? Maybe it's Soldier Field. Maybe it's like minus 12 degrees out there. Or do you still say, hey, it's the Chiefs. I don't worry about it. Uh, I mean, there definitely has to be some concern for sure. Uh, you know, can the Bears defense be as good as last year is the question. Obviously, we'll see them drafted and overvalued in fantasy once again. It never pays to take that defense that had the big year the year before. Uh, Jacksonville owners from last year can tell you that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's slight, slight concern. Did you see uh, that when they were, I don't know if you watched any of it, it's like the Bears are playing the Raiders. They always talk, uh, the uh, Steelers are playing the Jets. You know, the Le'Veon Bell game, the Khalil Mack game. I love when they talk about that stuff. I think those guys really get up for those games. Of course. I mean, it's just natural human emotion. You're going against a team that let you go or traded you, and you feel like you're going to have to prove that they made the wrong decision. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's only natural and that those guys are going to be up for it. And, of course, it's going to be a big topic that week of the game and uh, definitely a lot to talk about when you have those type of situations. Absolutely. All right, so let's move back to some afternoon baseball here. The Detroit Tigers are beating the Chicago White Sox 2-1 to one in the sixth inning. Tyson Ross going five and two-thirds, letting up one run, going against Ivan Novers, let up two. Um, let's see, Castellanos is two for three in this game. Is Tyson Ross ever going to be back to the pitcher he was when he was with San Diego? Is that possible? I don't think so. Uh, last year, there was a glimpse. He was okay for a stretch. Uh, did have him rostered. I think I actually had him in tout wars and used him quite a bit. But the strikeouts are not what they were. The walks are, are still high. He's just not the same pitcher now. He does get the fortune of pitching in a division where he's going to get some weak offenses and he might be able to exploit, but... Uh, I think he's more of an ale-only option at this point. Maybe you stream him in the right matchups, but it's just uh, not what he once was. All right, let me ask you about Tim Anderson. We were talking about him before. He's batting six this year. He's hitting 426 on the year. He's having a great year. I got to give props to Sean Childs, who mentioned him before the season as a guy he really liked. Do you move Anderson up if you're the White Sox, or do you say, look, this guy's thriving in the six hole. Let's just leave him right where he is. Well, the problem is he's not an ideal guy to put atop the lineup because he's not a big on-base percentage guy at all. Uh, obviously, it looks good now, but he's got a 1.6% walk rate, so he's never a guy that's going to have a o- high OVP. And you just look at the lineup and uh, – you know, where, where do you want to put him? I mean, he's not a, he's not a leadoff hitter. I know people will think he is because of the speed, but he's not an OBP guy. I know Lurie Garcia is not the greatest option at, at leadoff, but they've had him there. Obviously, you want Moncada, Breu up top, and, you know, Alonzo's a big OBP guy. I know he's off to a, a slow start uh, in the average department, and you got Jimenez, who's hitting fifth. So uh, I just don't know if there's an ideal spot for him above, uh, unless you want to put him leadoff. But he's not a big OBP guy. He just doesn't walk. So he had a 281 on base percentage last year. You don't want that in your leadoff spot. All right. Speaking of Jimenez, the guys had 65 at bats at him. He struck out 21 times, only two home runs. Do you think, I mean, I liked Jimenez coming into the season, but man, I, I don't know whether it's the cold weather. I don't know what it is, but right now he's terrible. Nah, it, you got to just keep him there. I mean, you made a decision, you decided to bring him up and start the year. And this is a team that is not going to win this year. So 
Uh, he's already got the contract. You got to just put him out there and play every day. I mean, there's going to be struggles. The, the thing is, is people see the Acunas and the Sotos come up and they expect everyone to do that. And it just doesn't happen that way. So there's going to be an adjustment period. And he's a guy that didn't strike out at all in the minor leagues, which is why so many people love him. But this is a guy that's only played 55 games at AAA. And he's only 22 years old. So he's still adjusting at the big league level. And you just got to ride it out and uh, keep, keep him in the lineup and uh, hope that he improves as he sees more major league pitching. Jose Abreu has been a very consistent ball player, but right now he's batting 188, and he struck out 22 times in 64 at-bats. I stayed away from him literally in every draft, thinking that this may be the beginning of his end. Am I right in that statement, or am I wrong? Uh, I don't think it's the beginning of the end. I think last year was uh, injury-related. He is uh, 32 years old, so uh, I don't think it's an age thing, and you know, the walk rate is, is up, so that's the one good thing is he's walking a little bit more. But, uh, no, I don't I don't think it's the beginning of the end uh, at all. I think it's just a slow struggle, cold weather in Chicago. But uh, I think he can be a little bit better than he was last year. I mean, he still had 22 homers, 78 RBIs, and 128 games last year. The big dif- difference was the average. Uh, this was a guy that's a 292 career hitter, and he batted 265. So uh, I think as long as he's healthy, he'll be fine. All right, the Blue Jays are playing the Minnesota Twins. The Blue Jays are winning 6-3 to three in the bottom of the fourth. Clay Buckholtz pitching for the Blue Jays. Michael Pineda letting up six runs for the Twins. Justin Smoke with his third home run. Randall Grichuk with his fourth home run for the Blue Jays. Eddie Rosario with his fifth home run and 15 RBIs. You had mentioned him as a guy that you thought could break out this year. I still feel like the Twins lineup has underperformed. Cron hitting 217, Marwin 220, Scope 229, you know, Rosario 254. I don't think the Twins have gotten hot yet, Adam. No, they haven't. And they've had some games postponed. They've had five game weeks. I think they might even have another five game week next week. So it's kind of hard to get in a rhythm, too, when you have all these off days and you know, weather hasn't been great uh, or not, not ideal. It hasn't been hot yet, it hasn't been uh, crazy cold. But, yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, Polanco's been the one guy who's tearing it up. He's got a 4-14 average. But uh, I really like this team a lot. And uh, Miguel Sano obviously could be back in, uh, in less than a month as well as he's getting ready to do some extended spring training and then go on a rehab assignment. So I think this team will be fine. At some point in the NFBC, in one of those leagues, if, if Miguel Sano has not been selected in your league, which is possible, you could be in a 12-team league, and he was injured at the beginning of the season – at what point do you pick him up? Is it this week, next week? Because you know you're going to have to do it proactively. When do you start thinking about him, Adam? Now, uh, he was picked up in my 12-team last week, and I forgot about him. But uh, the price was pretty high for a 12-teamer because there's usually good players on the waiver wire. So you got to do it now. Because uh, once that news came out, I think that's probably when someone said, oh, let me check, see if he's there. So you got to do it now. All right, Byron Buxton with his fourth stolen base of the season. So uh, he's hitting 267. We know that he's a little better. But I want to look at Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen for the Blue Jays hitting 167. This is a guy that I think people thought might be the breakout catcher of the year. Uh, really showing nothing, Adam. And, you know, so my question is the guy's got zero home runs, one RBI. He's striking out a third of the times at the plate. He was projected to be a really good hitter coming into this year. How patient can we be with Danny Jansen? Well, what are you going to do? 
I don't know. Him. That's my point. I know. Well, what are you going to do? You okay. need to cut him. But I feel like if okay, I cut him, if, he's going to get hot. If you cut him, who are you picking up? I don't know. That's the problem. That's why you pr- pretty much have to stick with him. I mean, you know, especially in a 15-team league, there's nothing on the waiver wire at catcher position. I know, but you know, like Wellington Castillo is not playing very well, but you know that he should come around, right? He's been a, been in the league for a long time. He should eventually hit. You don't know that about Jansen. You hope that he's going to hit, but he, maybe this is not his year. Yeah, I mean, he had good minor league numbers, and we saw a brief last year, but you know, young catchers tend to take a while to get going. Uh, he was drafted pretty much as the top AL only catcher because Salvador Perez went down. But it's really tough to, to find anything of value on the waiver wire at the catcher position. It is a position that sucks to begin with. You can't even find 12 good ones. So you really have no choice unless you give me options that say, oh, yeah, this is better. But pretty much any catcher that you look at on the waiver wire, there's no one good. Unless you're in a league that starts one catcher, there's nothing on the waiver wire at the catcher position. If Estudillo was, was there, would you drop Jansen for him? Uh, you can. The problem is he's not going to play every day, but at least when he's in there, he'll produce. Uh, I can't think he's available, though, in many leagues at this point. I know. That's probably the, that's probably true. Fair enough. All right. Let's take a look at uh, tonight's slate, Adam. Kansas City against the Yankees, 635 start. Did you see if that was in FanDuel tonight? Did you check? I did not. All right. I'm going to check because I might be using this picture tonight. Let's see. MLB. One moment, please. The Bronx squeeze. Oh, the Bronx squeeze. You know what that means. That game's going to be in there, and it is. So, Domingo Herman going up against Homer Bailey. Do we like Herman tonight? Yeah. I mean, he's got a dynamic arm. Uh, Kansas City is not a great offensive team. Uh, Herman, the pro- thing you need to worry about, obviously, is the command. There are times where he loses control of the strike zone and walks guys. And uh, so, that's what you have to worry about. But yeah, he's in a good spot tonight. He's definitely someone that I drafted late in drafts and obviously gets a little bit of a longer leash here with uh, Luis Severino out for who knows how long. So, yeah, I think he's in a spot tonight where you can definitely use him. All right. what Homer Bailey actually hasn't been disgusting. I mean, he's been a little better than, than originally anticipated. How many – does he have a bunch of stri- – 21 strikeouts? He does. His splitter has been really good, but his fastball sucks, and that's the problem, and you have to hope that – he realizes that or Kansas City realizes that and says, look, the fastball is not working. Your splitter is. So let's throw this fastball less, rely on the splitter more because, uh, yes, the strikeouts are there, but he's allowing home runs and he's allowing uh, quite a bit of uh, hard contact as well. So and against the Yankees, I know it's not the same Yankees lineup, but still it's Yankee Stadium. You get some left-handed bats. Uh, if they sit on that fastball, uh, they could take it over the wall. So uh, that's the issue with Bailey right now is he just doesn't have a good fastball and uh, he's got a great splitter. So if he can go to the splitter more often, uh, he can have success. Uh, and he has increased the usage of it by about 10%, but that fastball is still getting hit. All right. The, Ray, the Rays yesterday used Ryan Stanek for the one inning and Yanni Cheerios came in, pitched five innings of one hit ball and got five strikeouts. I bring that up because today Hunter Wood is going to get the start. I've got to think this is a Ryan Yarbrough day. If this is a Yarbrough day, do we like him versus Andrew Kashner, or will you refuse to use a guy who's only going to get four or five innings tops? No, nah, you could use him with the state of pitching now and that good Tampa Bay uh, offense and they're playing the Orioles. Yeah, you can use him, and you got to understand you might only get four innings, but you know, there's always a good shot that he can get a win, and it's a really good matchup. 
I was just going to say that. Look, if he if the other guy goes one inning and he goes four innings, there's a real good shot he gets the win, right? Doesn't he only have to throw three innings to get the win? No, he doesn't even need to throw three once he comes into the game because he's not a starting pitcher. Oh, there you go. That's right. So so you have it. He's got a good shot to start out with the win. What about um, is Andrew – I don't usually pick on Andrew Kashner. I know that sounds crazy. I pick on other guys. Do you think Kashner can shut down the Rays at all tonight or not really? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a pretty good lineup, and I think there will definitely be some bats that you can use here for sure. Uh, you know, Kasher has not pitched well. I know he's got a 3-1 record, but all the other numbers uh, are bad, and uh, he gets hit by left-handed hitters as well. So, you know, I think you'll see guys like Austin Meadow, Brandon Lau. Uh, I would think they're a little popular tonight. I know they're not big names, but I think people like to pick on the artists. Also, Choi also could be in the mix as well. Did you see the Tampa Bay's minus 265 tonight? Not surprised by that. Ooh. Going up against the Orioles with the way they're playing, uh, they're at home. Yeah, and the thing about Tampa, they only played seven out of their 18 games at home. Did you ever make those bets? Were you late 265 to 100? Uh, it, does, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't to me. I know some guys do it. I just won't do it. All right, we'll continue looking at the night slate when we return right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com proudly made in america maurice allen 2015 2016 european long drive tour champion 2017 world number one me personally i keep my game face on me all the time especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range or even leaving the course What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. Overall, from a fantasy perspective for Evaldi, I was very impressed from what I saw. And this was more of the picture that I was expecting, and I think he'll build off. Evaldi was very good, and I expected that to happen, and I'm glad I didn't bet on the game. I don't bet against my team. I'm a Yankees fan. I would have bet the Red Sox, though. I really would have, because I just feel like Evaldi, with what he did last year against the Yankees, and it just feels like he's due for better things the rest of the year. I think both these teams are going to be fine, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Oda here, along with Adam Ronis. And remember, I need you guys to check out DynastyKing.com. That's DynastyKing.com. You want to be a Dynasty King in fantasy football? Check it out there. I know, do you know my friend Chad is doing a league right now, Ronis? He's been making trades. He's all over the place. He's got Michael Thomas and Mike Evans and Adam Thielen. You like that start? What was it? Evans, Thielen, and who? Michael Thomas. 
Oh, wow. He's going wide receiver heavy. Yeah, he's going wide receiver heavy. He's doing a dynasty he's like league. like F running back. <laughs> he's trading picks right and left. I'm like, look, I, you know, it's funny. When, it, when, he, when he sent me the text, I'm like, he's getting my juices going there. I, it's, uh, I, you know, I started thinking about that. I'm like, wow, I guess I like his start. And I, the next thing I text back, I was like, dude, you better get some right, wide, uh, running backs quickly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if he would. Would he take that approach in a redraft league? Don't you feel like no. you have to get? Yeah, you got to get a. I mean, in Dynasty, I get it. The shelf life of the running backs are usually small, but the way the game is played now with these pass-catching running backs and PPR leagues, I feel like you have to come away with a running back early in, in a draft. You ha- it's totally different. Todd Gurley went number 11 in the Dynasty draft, he said. That, Todd Gur- that Todd could Gurley. turn out to be a steal, man. I think, I think it's recency bias. We, we think that Gurley is hurt and... According to all no, but it's a dyna- but it's a dynasty league, right? But so you still, figure he's got they got two, three, four years. You think he's got ten? Yeah, but see, that's the thing. I, I worry about the next year or two, man. Like I just how many these leagues? No, I know these leagues that we're talking about won't fall, but uh, in your home league, that they can fall. I'd rather win now. Like I just feel like yeah. in dynasty leagues, so many people have this thought of like long term. Like I'm in a baseball league right now. There's a guy in there, the guy I, I've told you who makes in, an insane amount of trades. He has nine minor leaguers on his active roster. This is a daily league right. He's format. playing for 2030, right? Well, he did the same thing last year yeah. and finished near the bottom, and now he's near the bottom. What's the point? What do you, why are we waiting to 2000, two, three years down the road? For what? And we only keep five guys. It's right. stupid. I like in, in football, if I'm playing Dynasty, I honestly look one to two years ahead. Not one, because one I could lose, but I do want to look two years ahead. But you're right. What if my league folds? What if everybody goes, ah, I hate this league. I'm out of here. I just lost. Right. I, just, I think you should stupid. always play for now. That's my mentality. I mean, do I want young players? Yeah. But how many times do we see these young players too bust? We can go through. We can go through a dynasty draft from last year or two years ago and see the guys who were taken early that everyone was high on that that suck that are bust. Can I, mean, I you tell see, you something? You see though, it in dynasty drafts all the time, in, in, oh, in the rookie drafts. No, it's true. But you could always tell good players from dynasty leagues. Like Mike Dempsey is a great fantasy football player. His dynasty teams are always good year in, year out. He's a great drafter. He's a great trader. He's always adding talent. I always find if you're good in dynasty, you could be good for years because you know what you're doing because there's always some idiots in your league who don't. Right. There's always going to be the teams that don't put their team together well, and then they have a couple uh, older guys like, oh, i got to trade these guys and get younger. I'm not going to win this year. And then a, a team near the top scoops them up and just kind of recycles a portion of their roster. But they have a good base, and they're going to stay in contention. While there's always teams that are going to be at the bottom and rebuilding year after year. But I also think if you could be slightly visionary and get rid of a guy a year or two before he, he starts to go on the way down, you can get a lot for him. Like I traded... Uh, I literally gave away Ryan Tannehill. The league, league was like, what are you doing? You gave away a quarterback. I'm like, this guy sucks. I gave him away from a third-round pick, and the third-round pick became like a, a stud linebacker, and it ends up being a great trade for me. Yeah, I mean, that's always the key in anything, in any sport. When you're in a keeper, dynasty league, you obviously want to trade the guy before the stock goes down where everyone knows it and no one wants him. You need to trade them while there's still some value there before the downfall begins. That is truly one of the hardest things. Do you remember Ricky Prohl? Yeah. 
Okay, so my friend, years ago, we're in law school, and he's got Ricky Prohl. And Ricky Prohl must have had like 180 yards and three touchdowns. And I looked at him, I go, trade him. Whatever you do, trade him. And he's like, what do you mean? He's great. I go, dude, he's never going to be better than he is today, and he's never ever going to trade value higher than he is now. My friend still thinks I'm crazy. Of course I was right, dude. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's, it's a human, natural human reaction. you like, wait a second. No, look what this guy did. You know, how many players put up these numbers in a game? No, I want to see if it's something there because you're scared. You're scared that, okay, what if I trade him and he blows up? And sometimes you have to look at it and say, look, this was an aberration. This is not going to happen. I mean, he's just not good enough. So uh, it is very difficult for people. And then they'll wait till the following week when he has two catches, 16 yards. Okay, right. now it's time to trade him. And it's like, <laughs> no, you already you lost that window. That right. window's gone. I, you're right. You had the window. Now you don't have the window. It's all over. Right? It's the you same thing like, okay, Carlos Carrasco. The time to get trade for him was when he gave up the six runs at two-thirds of an inning. You can't get him now after what he did yesterday. It's too late. You missed your opportunity. Look, you said something that was one of the smartest things yesterday. You said you would trade for Chris Sale. And you know what? When I thought about it, somebody in the scout message board said, should he get Sale? And I said, you know what? Yes, because this is the time. If he turns it around, you look like a genius. Well, Chris Sale was traded in my home league today. What do you think of this trade? So he was traded, and the guy got back Will Myers and Heliot Ramos, the prospect. It's a keeper league. And your mind I'd rather, I'd rather have Sale. I'd yeah. rather take the shot on Sale. Because Sale, if he turns it around, could yeah. win you the league. Right. And those guys can't. Right. Myers is, is good, but we've seen a, a history of injuries and, and right. the inability to stay healthy. And right. Ramos, you know, who knows what he is. Right. You, he ne could, you he never know. Right. I mean, you never know. Here, so two, two years ago uh, in my home league, all the teams around me, there was maybe five or six that thought they had a shot to win. They were all making trades. And I said, damn, if I don't make a trade with a rebuilding team, I'm not winning this league. So I went out, and I had to trade Arenado. He was a good keeper price. And I got, like, I don't know, a few guys back. But I was negotiating with the owner, and he goes, I will make the trade if you throw in Lewis Brinson. And Lewis Brinson was my minor leaguer, so he cost me nothing. I can call him up at any time, and if uh, you know he's a dollar right. the next year. And I was like, nah, I can't do it. He goes, all right, well, there's no deal. And I was like, man, I was like, you know what? I got to make the deal because if I don't, I'm not winning this league. And yeah. imagine I didn't and I held did on you, to Louis did Brinson. You win? Yeah, like, yeah, that sucks. I did. did. You win? <laughs> yeah. But it was worth it. But that's, that's the thing with these prospects is everyone gets excited and think that they're all can't miss. And you're seeing with Lewis Brinson, it doesn't always work out that way. And maybe he does turn around, but it doesn't look good for him right now. Look, I was in a dynasty league that I had Tim Linscombe for $3. I had Hanley Ramirez for like $4. And I said that I would trade these guys under one condition, that I needed a trade that I thought I could win the league with. And I did. I won the league twice. I traded Linscombe. I made a huge deal. I traded Hanley. I made a huge deal. It was worth it. Now, could I, did, I, did I lose Linscombe after that? Absolutely. Was he an amazing pitcher for years? Sure he was. But winning you know, 2500 bucks was worth it to me. But you got you to make the decision, and you got to figure out what you want to do. But to me, I will move those guys if I think I can win. Yeah, and I, I, again, it goes back to my mentality of I'm all about winning this year. I just see too many teams that are about the future, getting young prospects, and I see those teams continuously at the bottom of the standings. And you know, I had to rebuild one year in this league. I, it was July, and I said, man, this is just, it's not coming together. I got a lot of injuries. Um, I'm rebuilding, and I traded for Mike Trout, and I've had Mike Trout on my team now 
for I don't know three years in a row, and I think he's about he's twenty seven dollars right now. So he'll go up to like thirty three next year. I'll keep him again. Yeah. All right, let's finish the slate tonight, Adam. Julio Urias against Zach Davies. Man, I like Julio, but he had a bad start last time. Do you think he comes back and has a good one on the road in Milwaukee? He could, but Milwaukee scares me, man. And uh, they got some big right-handed bats. I know Yelich is a lefty, but it's just I'm worried about him in this start for DFS. Uh, I I don't think I'm using him. All right, Philadelphia against Colorado. Zach Eflin against Kyle Freeland. I think Freeland should have a better start, but I got to tell you, this these two teams worry me. This could be a lot of runs. It's 11 and a half, uh, uh, 11 run total here in this one. Yeah, it looks like the temperature's around 53, too. Looks like the weather's fine. Y- you look, it's really difficult to have confidence pitching a, uh, a pitcher in Coors Field unless they're Herman Marquez. Uh, and Eflin got bombed his last start by the Marlins. I think he's a good pitcher, but... I didn't use him in my seasonal leagues where I have him. He's on the bench. And the Rockies bats are finally starting to pick it up a little bit. And this is only their sixth home game. They haven't won a home game yet. So uh, I think this is a spot where obviously a lot of people are going for the offense here. If I'm not mistaken, I saw the FanDuel prices for some of the Rockies are a joke. Did you see it? Uh Look up, look, look up Charlie Blackman and who was the other guy I saw? I think it was Blackman, maybe Story. Look at those Blackman's thirty six hundred. Yeah, <laughs> and what about Story? Forty four hundred. And Arenado? Arenado is forty six hundred. Okay, I figured. So Arenado's that. number one, Story's number one, but Blackman is pretty low. That's pretty low, dude. And I know he struggled, but come on, man, hitting leadoff at home against the righty. Now, interesting, you say that. I told you I have a ticket in the Monster that I won in Fanduel tomorrow. Herman Marquez is on the mound. Do I start Herman Marquez tomorrow? Uh, I think you have to look at the salary. He, I cannot imagine. I mean, I haven't looked at the pitchers for tomorrow yet, but I can't imagine that he gets high ownership. People are just scared to start any pitcher at Coors. And it's the Phillies offense. No one's going to pitch him. Uh, so am I, am I either stupid or a genius? Uh, yeah, look, at, there's not. Oh, my. There's, well, I think the chalk tomorrow is going to be Jose Barrios. Which I'm in, not playing, right. In Baltimore. Right. Bumgarner in Pittsburgh. Uh, I know he's pitched well so far. Kluber at home against the Braves. No one will pitch him. Eduardo Rodriguez in Tampa. I'm definitely not using him there. Carlos Rodon in Detroit. I thought about Rodon. Yeah, yeah. I thought about Rodon, Ronas. Caleb Smith, who's pitched very well. The question is, can he get a win at home against the Nats? No. Uh, Ross Stripling in Milwaukee. Uh, Strom? He's not going more than five innings, right? Uh, it's the Reds. Yeah, I think he might get some ownership. Yeah, I mean, he was better his last start. Uh, seven and a half is the early total. So, honestly, I would – oh, it is? Yeah. So, I was thinking, uh, honestly, Radon Marquez. Marco- and don't think I'm crazy. Jordan Lyles. Is he – how come I didn't see him? Is he there tomorrow? Against Pittsburgh. Oh, against San Francisco. Uh, okay, yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he was coming off a really good start, and San Francisco's offense is terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's crazy. Not and crazy. I, and I got to think he's going to be cheap. Which allows me to get those rocky uh, <laughs> Phillies bats in my lineup. Yeah. Marco Gonzalez, I think, is not a bad play either. Who's he at? Uh, against the Angels on the road. Oh, I, I like him, but he doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't get a lot of Ks, no. That's the problem with him. Trying to think, you, you like you like Bumgarner Pittsburgh. I mean, what about Bumgarner? 
I think he's in play. Uh, I don't think he's. Uh, I know the numbers have been good so far, but uh, I don't think he is going to be the pitcher he was. I think there's some collapse coming a little bit, but it is a good matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh just not a great offensive team. Uh, Pittsburgh a slight favorite right now, minus one fifteen. I think I'm going to uh, stack Rockies against Vince Velasquez. Yeah, that could work out big time. I can't see him going deep into that game either. Right. I mean, he's good when he's good, but, man, when he has bad starts, it could be two and two-thirds, eight, eight runs. Yeah, and then you get into that bullpen early. Yeah, exactly. Then it's a, that's a feast. I think I'm going to go with that's – the, that's the plan as of right now, Redone you know, or Lyles. And what you that. want is the Rockies, if, if, if you don't play them today, to struggle. So people go, oh, they still suck at home, blah, 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 and then they'll be off them tomorrow. Uh, I could use that. Oh, my God, I could use that. All right, what else do we got going on? There's a couple more games I want to hit today. So let's see. It's the Seattle Mariners, Felix Hernandez against the Angels, Chris Stratton. Man, Felix Hernandez is a dog with fleas, Ronis. Do you like this game at all? Uh, probably the bats. Uh, I know the Mariners have cooled off a little bit. Uh, but against Stratton, I think they can get going. And the over-under is 10. Uh, and yeah, Mike Trout obviously will be in play. The problem is, is the Angels just don't have a lot of good offensive players. I know they look. You look at them, you say, "Oh, I should stack them," but you never feel good about stacking them. I don't ever feel good about stacking. I mean, Calhoun hits two ten. Trout is amazing. Barr is risky. Simmons is very risky. Good one, I like, but I don't know. I told you that's why I don't know why Trout signed with them. It made no sense to me. He could have gone to Philadelphia and played with Bryce Harper. I, I, he likes it there. I mean, you know, if he feels comfortable and likes that uh, being there and living there, um, you can understand why. And, you know, they will get Upton back. They will get Otani back. So uh, he must have got some assurances from ownership and said, hey, look, we know it doesn't look good now, but we plan on, you know, making some moves and going after some players if there's ever any free agents left. All right, let me ask you about Chris Paddock against Tanner Roark. I like Paddock. I hate Roark on the road normally. Um, but Paddock, I worry that he can only throw five innings, but it could be five innings of one hit and ten strikeouts. Yeah, and with the way the Reds' offense is struggling, uh, maybe he's able to go longer. So I got to think he's going to be one of the most popular pitchers on this slate. I mean, he has to be. When you look at everything here, like where are people going? It's going to be Herman And Paddock. And Paddock. I mean, for real. I mean, where else are you going tonight that you feel good about? I mean, it's... Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, on DK, I think I have to go Herman Paddock. Have to. But on FanDuel, I mean, it's either one of those two. There's no other option. There's no, like, like what I call the Erasmo Ramirez, that one guy. Like tomorrow, it could be Jordan Lyles. It could be Radon. I don't see that tonight. No, I don't either. And that's why it's, uh, it's an interesting slate here. I mean, I might see Julio Urias, though, Ronas, because nobody will be on him after last time's disaster. I wonder. I mean, Yarbrough was the other guy that we mentioned too. Right, I like him. Right, uh, but he's only going four innings. Paddock at least gets you six. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know who could, could you even go Felix and pick on the Angels. I mean, he did have I think one good start against them this year. I think he allowed. If I'm not, I think he allowed one run uh, in a start against the Angels this year and had like 17 DK points. Can I go Kyle Freeland and hope to get the win? Or is that just <sighs> crazy, Against the right? Phillies there? Uh, I mean, Freeland has a career of pitching well at home. So, And his, his price is good, isn't it? Is it low? Yeah, yeah what it's is, pretty low. Yeah, on, I, guess, on, I guess you could. Well, Herman is 9,000. Paddock is 8,500. Urias is 7,200. 
Kyle Freeland is 6,500. It's a, crazy. It's a risk for sure, but he has shown the ability to pitch well at home. It's look, it's not a it's not an ideal slate for pitching, and you know everyone's gonna go or the majority's gonna go Herman and Paddock because they and, look, and rightfully so. Right. So you gotta figure out okay, who's the uh, under the radar guy that can that can pitch well? Mm-hmm. Zach Eflin, Ronis. Uh, it, it could be. He scares me in course coming off a bad start. Uh, just, I got to think the Rockies are just ecstatic to be home right now. They've played five of their 18 games at home. I need the Rockies to hit tomorrow on us. I need the, I'm with you tonight. I need like a 3-2 game in course. That's what you need. So people go, oh, the Rockies suck. They've done nothing this year. I'm not paying for these guys. And then we go all in tomorrow, dude. All in. Yeah, that's, I think, what you need to do. That's what you got to hope tonight if you're all not right. playing them. Speaking of hope. I hope you have a very good birthday tomorrow, Ronas. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. 25? Uh, 24. Oh, looking good, Ronas. Looking yeah. good for 24. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's coming up in hour number two? I uh, got Frank Stanfield from FNTSY. We'll probably talk mostly NBA with him, maybe get into a little baseball. We are actually in three leagues together. Where is Kevin Durant playing next year? Can you tell me? I thought it would be the Knicks, but no I'm way. not so sure, <laughs> man. <laughs> no way. If he hates the media, I don't know. It's not happening. All right, guys, this is Dr. Otto saying be well, take care. We're not here tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Stay tuned for hour number two right after this.